topic tonight, I want to talk about bris. Because the end of the parish is bris milah. Um, I want to talk one or two points about bris, and then I want to talk about in general the the, the concept of shmiras of bris with some, some thoughts about it, which I think a little bit of an angle, which is usually not, not not usually approached from that angle. So first, I want to tell you there's a piece over here from the Vilna Goyen, um, where he explains the concept of we talk about a bris. What exactly is a bris? And the more t- the, the Torah uses the lotion of creases bris as a regular regular usage. I have to share some copies. Um, the regular uses is creases bris that they're being kares bris. The brach is kares bris to cut a bris. What do you mean you cut a bris? What are you cutting? Right. Okay. So if you look at the the the, the notes on the bottom. Um, so he wants to explain. He brings from the Sefer Yitzira. Um, so there was a Nicholas Bris. So Sefer Yitzira, the Vilna Garden, This is a quote from the Vilna Garden. The Vilna Garden wrote a pirish on Sefer Yitzira. Sefer Yitzira is um, a fascinating collection of brises which talk about very capitalistic concepts. Let's just leave it like that. Um, I'm going to explain to you what a bris is. What's the idea of a bris? They have two friends which love each other like themselves. They really would like that they should never part. It's not possible. They have to part. They have to have to go different ways. But they have this this tremendous feeling of they want to stay together. So how, how what do they do to like hold on to that, that feeling? So I take the most precious thing that I have and I give it to that, that person. When I do that, every time I think about the thing, I think about the person. And every time he thinks about and he does the same thing for me. So we're constantly being having that other person in our thoughts because what we've, what's the most precious thing that we have, we've given away to them. So that's what the day of, of, of that's how we we're courage bris. Okay, they are bound together by that 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 item. Even though the they they separate, so let's take Reuben and Shimon. So Reuben gives his most precious thing to Shimon. And Shimon leaves. Shimon takes the item with him. So Reuben's always going to think about Shimon because Shimon has my favorite whatever. Okay. The bris is that through that this item we're never gonna we're never going to part. So that so that that's what the word bris means. What is the idea of creases bris, the cutting of the bris? The cut the cutting of the covenant. I take something which is really bound to me, I cut it out of me and I give it to that other other person. Take the thing which is most precious to me, which means it's 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 intrinsic to me, it's part of me, and I give that away to the other person. So whenever I think about that, I think about the other person. Okay. Um, so he he then talks about um, how the keshes was a uh, a bris. I'm not going to get involved in that right now. But the bottom line is if a milo may Okay, so now, so the Brashman's car is bris with the Mila. So we'll see, we'll see later on that the first says that when we think about the bris Mila, the Torah refers to it as a bris Mila, and the Torah refers to it as an ice bris. Now, the bris is the covenant itself, the ice bris is the, that which represents the covenant. So we need to figure out when we talk about the mice of Milo, which one is it? The answer is it's both. It has elements of bris in it. This is the covenant. It has elements of the ice bris. So a cardinal of the garden is saying the Mila is 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 the ice of the bris which we make. So we have to figure out what did we give to Kadosh Baruch Hu and what did he give to us. So we have the most dear thing which we have we gave to Kadosh Baruch Hu. And the Russian gave the most dear thing to him, to us. So what is that? So we have an easy... I mean, our side is easy. We've committed to the Torah. We've committed to this relationship to the point that we're willing to give our, give our, our lives, if necessary. That is our commitment. We've given over to Kodesh Baruch Hu's hands, as it were, the most precious thing that we have, which is our life. 
what about Akash Baruch Hussein? What is the most precious thing to him that he gave away to Klai Yisrael? Through the Kreis' bris. So, the Russian created the world because he wants, to, he wants to benefit mankind. He wants to give to the world. His, most, his greatest desire is to give. The Russian is the, the, the I'm saying it tongue-in-cheek a little bit, but he's a quintessential Jewish mother. Right? He wants to give. The the the, the, the I'll be, in the Kabbalah the name for the Shechina is Ima, huh. it's it's Mama, and and and, and, and you know in the in the, in the Bali Machshava the the Hasidish Bali Machshava they used to refer to the the the, 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 the Baruch as Mama, the Mama Mir Gashikt means the the, the Shechina sent me to this world Mama Mir Gashikt, the the, the, the Shechina would send us to this world, the Jewish mother is one who, her whole desire is to give, the Russian desire is to give. Now, the Russian decided like this, which we have to train our Jewish mothers sometimes, right? <laughs> that it's not always good to give. Because a child who just, get, get, just gets and gets and gets becomes spoiled and smothered. And it's not good for the child. So what do we say? You're only going to get it if you deserve it. So how does a Jewish mother feel about that? She knows it's the best thing for the child, but it's really painful for her because she wants to give. That's what the Russian gives to Claudius. So. He would like to give to the world and just give and give and give and give. But instead he put over the control of the world, whether we get or not, in our hands. So if we're good, we get. We're not good, we don't get. When we don't get, the Russian is in pain. Because his most, his most desired thing that he has in the world is to give to us. But he said, I'm not going to give because I gave that over to you. I put that in the control of Klai Yisrael. Klai Yisrael, through their actions, now decide what the world's going to get. And if we're not good, we're not, the world doesn't get and the person says, ah, I'm so happy. He says, oh, I'm, I'm in such pain. But I gave it over the most the, the precious thing. So the Christmas bris was the moment when Avram Avinu became the one who was in charge of the world. Avram Avinu and that his descendants became the ones who were in charge of the world. That's the bris that the Russian made on his part. That's the, the bris on the Russian side. And our side is we committed our lives. Now why is the meal of the ice of that bris? That's, so that we, we're not explaining right now why the mila is the oyster of that person. We'll have to explain why the mila would be a very good way to represent that commitment between the two sides. But that's how the guy learns. Okay. Um, the, the next few pieces are from a Hirsch. So I apologize for those of you who had difficulty with the Hirsch's English and, uh, and have to be, would prefer the Hebrew. Um, They say a joke about, you know, there was a person went to hear this German speak. So the fellow gets up like after 15 minutes, he's ready to leave. I said, you can't leave before the verb. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the sentences are like, that's how they, you know, they get, and, 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 finally, you, know, you get the idea what it's about. Like, you're at the end, like, after, like, this whole paragraph, you know. So he writes like that. But it might, it's, there's a certain beauty to it. I, love, I actually, I, I happen to love it, the language. Okay. Um, so the the parsha of bris is introduced with two two thoughts. The Russian says to Ramavino, "I'm Kel Shakai." He says, So there's a there's a point over here of that the name of a Baruch which is used to introduce the bris is Shakai, Shin Dalad, and then a Yud. So why is that the name of a Baruch which is the right name to introduce? It's not used beforehand. We have Hashem, we have Elohim, we have Kale, right? <laughs> this is a new name. So why is that the name which is going to be used to introduce it? And and then Bershom says to Ramavinu, he's Yesumim, I want you to walk in front of me and be Tomim. And then and that's going to be expressed through the bris meal. So we need to explain both of those points. Okay. Um, so Chazal say that what is what is the name Shakai the, the Shin Dalajud what represents? So if you look at the, at the towards the bottom of the first page of the, the um, um, I guess it's page two ninety one. Right, it says Chazal bring the the, the Brachas Rabbah. I'm the one who set the world <coughs> sufficient. Die, it's enough. Shemala Shemarti the Shemayim words die. If they were not told the world, die, it's enough. They would continue to expand. They would keep going. Okay. 
So the Russian says that the, the name Shakai has in it two points. That one is I put limits on the world. Number one. And if I had not done so, the world would keep expanding. And number two, that the world the, the world is not enough as it were. I'm enough means I'm as it were bigger or better than what the world is. I'm greater than the world. Okay, so he focuses on in this in this point over here. He focuses on the the idea of the Russian put limits on the world. Um, so I guess the right page. No? I, I left that. Oh. I think I wanted to put more of that page in. I didn't. Okay. Um, skip the next two pages for now. Okay. What does it mean? I'm going to talk about it. Okay, so a fascinating thing. Um, one of the, the one of the very basic thoughts which is used in the, in Bachshava in the, the of Chazal in Torah, morale of others is concept called Chemer and Surah. Chemer is the building blocks. It's the materials. And sura is the form that it takes. So that sounds very. So, but let's explain what it means. We don't mean physical form. We mean a, a function. The word sura really means a function. In, the, in historical philosophical thought, things were made to fit their function. And you figure out what their function was by seeing how they, what they did. That, that was their, became their purpose. So, uh, the standard motion you use is okay. I take clay and I build a brick. So, in the first step, the clay is the material. And the, the, the purpose is to make a brick. <coughs> okay, now I take the bricks and I build the wall. So in that situation, the brick is the chimer, is the material, and the wall is the purpose. Now I, t- I build four walls and, and I put a, a roof on top. So in that situation, the walls are the material, they're the chimer, and out of that I create... Uh, now I move into the house and I dwell in it. The house is the material, it's the chaymer, and the tzura is becomes the function that it becomes a home. Right? So we can move step after step after step. The way you define the 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 tzura of something is by putting a limit on it. As long as it has no limits, it has we can't define what its function is because we it can do anything. Um, the marshal which I give, um, I, I think I told you the story. So I had this fellow who came to visit Tells one time, and so Tells. This is my chesronis. Rashi Rapesa once once wrote a wrote a paper about this. Uh, I know a, 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 a mimer about this. Like, is isolation is, is insulary insula, insulation better? Insulation isolation better, or is exposure better? And he wrote those advantages to each one of them. But while the guy was in yeshiva, the the, the yeshiva was very much insulation. It was on campus. In my days, there was no off Shabbos during the winter, so you'd come so because you'd leave Pesach, six month winter, a six month winter. And you be on you could be on campus for six months. There was a canteen on campus. There was a haberdashery which they sold gloves, scarves, hats, paper, pen, whatever you needed. Basically, there was a cleaning. There was a cleaner service. The dry cleaner service. You would drop. They would pick up the stuff on Monday and bring it back on Thursday night. And you, there was a, a laundromat in the, in the in the dorm. There was a mikvah in the dorm. There was a barber shop in the dorm. There was a a doctor which came once a week. There was a dentist which came once a week. You did not leave, you did not need to leave camp. Right. So the yeshiva was really built in such a way that really you could stay there and really just focus on your learning. So this fellow comes for a visit, secular guy, and I convinced him to come for a visit. He was from out of town, and I said, "Next time you're in Cleveland, I stop by." So he stops by, goes to they, they had classes for not on Sunday morning. They used to have a program for people which weren't from. So after the class, I asked him, "So what do you think?" He says, "Rabbi, you know, you live in a box, <laughs> and you're to face with the world from your box." He didn't mean it as a compliment. <laughs> so I said to him, "You know what? What I'm hearing from you is that you're of the opinion that limits are bad." 
So I'm going to prove to you that, that you, don't, you don't really believe that. That's why I said, I'm going to prove to you that you don't believe that. Okay? It says, your, ch- your child now goes to college, and he's a very smart guy, but he really has difficulty making up his mind. So he wants to keep all his options open. Right? So he takes some science courses this way, you know, he can go into one of the sciences. You know, the physical science. Then he takes some biology courses, and he wants to go that direction, you know, biology, the doctor. He takes some things about political science and law, because maybe he wants to become a lawyer. Uh, he, he takes some, you know, humanities things, and maybe he wants to become an English professor. So he's taking like 17 courses. Right, you know? After he says, you know, this is ridiculous, I've got to make a decision. He says, you know what, I'm going to become an architect. So he drops all the biology classes because he's not really using biology classes or architecture. And the law classes also, probably that's important. You know, the humanities, you know, some of that also. He focuses on the, on the physical sciences, engineering, etc. And he becomes an architect. Is that a happy day or a sad day? So I asked the guy. So he says, he hesitated for a minute, he says, I guess it's a happy day. So why is it a happy day? As far as I know, the, the, the percentages of architects who eventually become lawyers or doctors are very small. It's like less than 1%. <laughs> so he much put limits on the rest of his life. He's never going to become a doctor or a lawyer or an English professor. He's only going to be an architect. It's such a sad day. He has limits. He says, no, well, now he can focus on what he wants to become and really become something. He says, ah, so limits are good. Because <laughs> limits create a function. If you have no limits, you have no function. When you put limits, you have a direction. Now you can do something. So the, 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 when the Russian put, the, put die on the world, he put limits on the world, that's when the world became, it took shape. As long as it's going to keep going, it has no shape. All this is just materials. So the, the, the challenge our society has is like, you know, limits are trafe. You know, you know, boundaries and relationships... Are, are what make the what make the relationship valid? I focus on one individual, so that I have a real relationship with them. I focus on many; I have no relationship with anybody. Right? So we, we we miss that point. So the version comes with the name Shakai is saying that the way you're going to become the person who's going to run the world, you're becoming now the people who are running the world. That's what the Vilna Garden is saying. I, I give it to you the most precious thing that I have in the world. The, what, whether the world has good or has bad, whatever's going to happen in the world is up to you now. If you act good, yes. If you act bad, no. I hate it. I mean, yeah. I really prefer to give. But I know the best thing for, the, for you and for the world is that that's not so. Therefore, I'm going to give up that, that to you and let you decide. So how am I going to do that? I says, because you have to understand that you now are the one who's responsible for the world. You have to understand the function and the purpose of the world. So the name of Shakai is the name which represents that the world has a function and has a purpose. Because it has limits. So I'm going to give you an oisbris of a limit. Now, but why specifically this point of limitation is what I, what I want to get to the next step. But you understand the, the thought process that the oisbris represents the idea that there is a, a part of the being which is limited. Right? You can have to eat as much as you want. The body doesn't... We don't have a sign in our, our mouths not to eat too much. But we have a sign on one part of our body not to overindulge in this area. So this area is, we're putting limits, and that creates, once we put a limit, we now have an idea of that there's going to be a greater purpose and a greater function, which we couldn't get till we got the day of limits. We haven't explained what yet, but we're moving towards that concept. Okay. Well, let's see what her says. About the word tamim, he says, So the meal is going to make us tamim. This is from Rehearsal's Collected Writings, Volume Three. Um, 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 so he wants to point the following thing. Uh, so I'm on, pa- I'm on page, I guess it looks like sixty-eight. That's the left column on the first page of the Collected Writings. Second paragraph. So he points out this, this noteworthy peculiarity of the Hebrew language. He uses the same word in one, in the same form, to express the idea of ceasing to exist and completion, which is wholeness and perfection. For example, the word kalei, kala is the of the house is completed, and kalei onon looks the house, the cloud had vanished and was gone. So the word kalei means to, to, to end, it also means to complete, end in the sense of being destroyed or get rid of. So that's a very interesting point. 
So the word tamim is the same thing. In most verbal forms, it designates a complete cessation of existence. Tama banecha, yitama chatoyim, tama kesef. The chatoyim will end. There will be no more chatoyim. There will be no more veira. There will be no more money. It also means perfection. Ishtam, set tamim, paradimo tamimah. So we use the word tamim to be perfect and to be ending. We use the word kalei in a similar way, ending and perfection. So what, what's that about? So you might say this concept might, by next paragraph might be based on the dual truth. On the one hand, that which is truly perfect can only be one thing. So anything that is truly perfect, truly one, has, has to cease to exist as anything else. So here we have this, if you really want to become what you are, you have to be not something else. So there's there, the moment of perfection, the, the, the Renaissance man uh, really is the jack of all trades and master of none. Now the reason why he doesn't look like that is because compared to everybody around him, he's pretty good at all of them. But vis-a-vis what he could be, spending his abilities in 17 different areas means he's not reaching the perfection in any one of them. To reach perfection in any one of them means he has to give up some of the other ones. Right. Um, okay. Um, then, furthermore, um, upon the next paragraph, but thinking about it more, in terms of the root tamem, tamem is to indicate a, sta- indicate a state in which all of the parts of an object, or the object all of its, in all of its parts, point to one direction only. So he wants to say the word tam means in a, in a, it gives it a portion of direction also. So you hear where we're going over here. Is the idea of ceasing to exist in a certain way it means certain areas you're not going to put your interest in. You're going to put your focus on a certain thing, and that is completion and wholeness. By giving something up, you're coming. You're coming complete. Okay, that's the thing. It's enough for that. Um, okay. Um, this is from a beautiful theoretical pathways to personal growth. And he deals with the idea of um, he deals with the idea of what's, what's referred to in, in the world of the Machshav of Kolayzil that there a person being careful of how he uses his uh, organs of procreation that a person doesn't waste waste his era person it's only in context of a marriage etc. So, uh, our society is it challenges us with that. Okay, so it's a lot of I put a lot of pages in. So I first I want to actually go first to page, which is at the end of the packet, pages 32, 33, and then we'll, then we'll work backwards. So he presents over here. That I, he wants to explain. We, we're familiar with Chabad. Chabad, the pages 32 and 33. That's all the way at the end of the of the of the, 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 the booklet. So, Chabad. Chabad stands for Chochma, Bina, and Das. The three levels of knowledge. So, what are these three levels of knowledge? So, it represents, in Shemaim, represents what's called Sirius. I'm not going to give out my argument for now. Chochma is information. Well, knowledge. Book knowledge. I open the book, I read the book, and I have information. Right? Bina is from the word binyan to build. When I when when I have a piece of information, which I understand that a piece of information, I understand the 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 to its root why it's so. I can extrapolate. I can apply it to other areas. So I I'll tell you the following story. I, think I, told, I told this story once. But it's a good story anyway. I'll do it again. <laughs> this story when the, when the uh, Rabbi Yechiel Spiro. Uh, was doing his interviews for the um, Sefer on, on, on the Gifter, so he interviewed me. I told him a story. He says, Ellie, you know I can't put that story in the book. I said, yeah, but it's a great story. Okay, you're getting the story now. Okay. <laughs> You'll see why you can't put it in the book. Uh, after, uh, and then I says, okay, you owe me at least one, you, you owe me something. Tell me another story that you got from somebody else that you didn't put in the book. So he gave me that too. Um, so, in the city of Tells, there was a priest who had come to America, to Chicago for a period of time and learned English. 
and I went back to, to tell Lithuania. Remember the story? Yeah. It's a good story, right? <laughs> and so he had learned English. It tells this little, first, the, the city of Tells was about 10,000 people. It was the whole city. That was the whole city. I mean, Kovno was like, it was the capital was 90,000 people. Like, you get an idea of the size of these cities, you know. So, um, what? What country was that? Lithuania. Countess is, you know, the, the, the Lithuanian name. So, there was very few people who spoke English in the city of Tels. So, who spoke English in the city of Tels? There was, there was three or four in, in the yeshiva who spoke English. So, the yeshiva said that, that the, the yeshivas encouraged them to take walks lunchtime. They, should, you know, they shouldn't get, you know, sit, sit too long, etc. They should get out and get some exercise, etc. So, the Barakim used to take walks lunchtime. And they would talk and learning. They would, you know, discuss whatever, you know. So, it says this, this priest, this Galach, that's the Yiddish word for a priest, right? Because um, they were they would they would they would shave their heads. Galochim, his galach means to shave. They were shaving heads. That was they called galochim. Um, so would wait. So he knew the route we used to take. He would wait to you know, and he would engage us in conversation. So she would develop a relationship with this priest. So he borrowed a science book from the priest. You know, he was reading the science book. So a little while later, he's walking with his Rosh Hashiva. And he tells him that he's reading the science book. So the Rosh Hashiva, Rabloch, says to Gifter, who was a Bachar then, so tell me something interesting that you read. So he, he, he's discussed something about gravity, you know, reading something about the, 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 for, the, the what type of force it is, etc. So the, the tells the Rosh Hashiva, told Gifter, says, imagine that, you know, whether the story is true or not, if apocryphal or not, Newton had made the following observation. Objects fall. How is that true, right? You ever see objects not fall? They don't go up, they go down, right? How is that a true observation? Would he made it in the history books? No. Because the kutz is not to see what it, what's there, the kutz is to understand why. Once you understand why objects fall, you understand the, the properties of gravity, you can predict the motion of the heavenly bodies. And say there's something wrong with the orbit of Saturn, there must be another planet out there. So you can go from watching an apple fall to finding the planet a, a planet. Because you understand why. He says, okay, let's say a person learns Yardaya. Let's say for argument's sake, there are 10,000 alochas in Yeridei. And he memorizes all 10,000 alochas. He says, Tamil Chalkham, right? He says, no, he's an Amoritz. Because there's 100,000 possible Shilas. <laughs> so what do you, how do you pass in that case? It's not in the, the Shulchan Aruch. If you understand why that's the, 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 that's the decision, you can pass in a million Shilas. <laughs> so the, more, the main thing is not to understand the what, but understand the why. So Chalkham is the what. Bina is the why. I understand why it's so. A maven, which we call the person is a maven, he understands, and then I can build on it. That's why it's called bina. I can I can extrapolate. I can build out. Uh, right. So the next step is bina. So now what's das? So that's pretty good, right? I understand the what, I understand the why. I got it all. I got it all. So what's das? Das is when I incorporate it into my own reality. So he gives a muscle over here to explain das. Um, so. So uh, it's on the, the page thirty-two. So we refer to a boy who turns by mitzvah. This whole book is written as a series of letters from an older book to a mitzvah boy, understanding what what happens at a mitzvah. What is a mitzvah about? So we refer to what's between a boy who's under the age of thirteen and a boy who's at the age of thirteen. He's called a bar. He called a bardas. A person with a bardas is kai of a mitzvah. So what happens at the age of thirteen is you become a bardas. Means now you have the now you have the this 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 ability of das. Till now you had chokhmah and you had bino. You're very smart kids, right? But das you don't have. The Vilna Goyen was not a bar das till he was 13 years old. The Vilna Goyen finished most of shas right before that, but that doesn't make a difference. But he's not a bar das. So what do you get at 13 when you didn't have beforehand? Okay. So on the deeper level, it's the third paragraph. The word das. T- t- explains the union of the knower with the known. It's a connection between the, the me and the knowledge. 
Um, there are two ways to know Sonoma. You can be acquainted with him superficially. <coughs> you know your neighbor down the block. You can also have a, d- a deep personal bond with someone. The way close friends know one another. That is analogy is called Das. It's a, a, it's a, a, you become bound with that which you're... I know you, and I, I, to the point that I become connected to you. So he gives an example. Um, um, I'm not going to read the example inside, but like this. Have you ever read Melville? Who read Melville? Moby Dick. Moby Dick, right? You read, have you read it in the, in the original? Right? You ever read it in the bridge version? The bridge version is much better than the, the original. Right? In some ways. It's, it's much quicker, right? <laughs> Melville loved describing things. You know, Dickens, you know, I, I was reading. I, I pushed it like after a while, you know. It's like so he describes. He, you got like you have a, like two pages to describe the door going into into the captain's uh, you know room. You have a whole. You have, you have a, a paragraphs for the the window, and you have like you know, and the, one of the paragraphs describing the crack in the window, right? So this eight hundred page book, you know, you take out the cliff notes. It's thirty pages long. <laughs> but when you read the cliff notes, you don't get into the book. I, I, I'm, I, I tell you, yeah, I, everybody has their confessions. This is my confessions. It's, you know, chanting the wrong legend, but okay, confession. Talking about a galaxy. What? Talking about a galaxy. Right. So I, I, I walked into a, a, a bookstore um, uh, a few years ago, and I said, you know, I have a problem. I'm, I'm, I'm an over over reader. Like when I get into a book, I can't put it down. Like you know, I walked into you know these the two ladies with like this private you know bookstore. He says, "I'm starting a new thing called Overreaders Anonymous. <laughs> Do you want to join?" He says, "Yeah, we're in." <laughs> I, I, I mean, when I, I got married, you know, I, 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 we we found this out. You know, I got married. I picked up the book all for the boss. I read the whole book. I mean, when I was a kid, I did this too. And I never went to sleep before finishing a book. And before o'clock in the morning, I was still up reading the book. My mother used to come and like turn off the lights, and I would read with a flashlight. She'd take out a flashlight. I'd read by the street light. I would not go to bed until I finished the book. Okay, six hundred pages long. I finished the book before I went to bed. Right? <laughs> not because I was a shita. I just couldn't put it down. Right? You could do that to the cliff notes. You can't do that to a real book. What's the difference? The real book draws you in and it connects you to the story. That's the meaning of Das. You get so connected to it that you, you feel connected. You, you almost can't let go of that world. Reading Cliff Notes doesn't have, it's, you know, it's information. So the, the, there's a meaning which we have, which is Das. Which I, you, you start, yeah, people go to watch movies. And they get all emotional about a movie. Now, it's pixels on a screen. Like, what are you getting emotional about? The power of the movie is to get you connected to the story to the point that you get emotional. Your heart's racing. Oh, it's going to be... You start crying. Right? <laughs> That's what... We, we have a multi-trillion dollar industry which its goal is to connect you to things. That's the meat of Das. So, the kayak of Das that allows you to do that with real knowledge takes time to develop in the human being. That's when I... The Torah refers to the union between a man and a woman as He knew her. The physical act is referred to knowing her. What does it mean the physical act is referring to knowing her? The, what we're saying was that the Misa of the physical act was an, ex, was, it was an expression of a true understanding of each, each part, one or the other. I truly knew who she was to the point that I connected to her. And through that, the physical Misa expresses that relationship. That's the, what the Misa is supposed to be. It's ability for a human being to get outside of himself into something else. That's a tremendously powerful Kayach. If it's used right, it's, it's the greatest thing in the world. It's the source of all Chesed. Right? That I can, I can truly understand you Revolva has a fascinating piece that he has in his in his, um, in his Vadim on Chesed. So he says the first thing you know, they would work. He would, he, has, he, would, they would, he has a series of Vadim where he works with the, the, the Talmudim on different areas. So the first one is on Chesed. Like one of them is on Chesed. She says for the first two weeks we're not doing anything. First two weeks I want you to do the following: go out there three times a day, stop and contemplate 
around the person that you met, what are their needs? You meet a person on the street, you don't really know them, think about what do you think he needs in life? Start to become more aware of people's needs. That's the first step of chesed. You, you, you understand people's needs, so then you start fulfilling them. Okay, that's that was that was the, the that that this is what they were given as the job of the next two weeks of the vow. They came back after two weeks in the report, and he records this in his safer. So basically, the report was basically most people need the same things as me. He says, you know what happened? You basically reflected yourself onto everybody around you. You didn't really contemplate what they need. You saw yourself reflected in, in all these people. You didn't really get them. Um, Ray Fran has a has a great story. He's talking about a in mar- context of marriage. He says there's a couple. I guess I'm, I'm not sure what the motivation was. You know, whether they were having problems, they weren't having problems. They did the following. They said, "Okay, we're going to do the following exercise." So the husband and the wife, the husband sat down and wrote down 20 things which he thought was important to his wife that she wanted in their relationship, the interface, etc. And the wife did for the husband. And then they ordered them in order of priority. Then they gave the papers to each other to grade. So the wife wrote down that, that number one, her husband wants supper on the table when he walks in the door. She thought that was very important to him. He graded that as number 15. <laughs> he doesn't really care. He has, he has no problem waiting. But she had spent X amount of her years of marriage rushing like a kid, her kishka's out to make sure there was supper on the table, resenting the fact that he's making this demand of her, which he never made. But she was thinking that's what he wants. Right? Then they took the pages and they put it under the have like a coffee table with like a glass thing over there to remind themselves how much they need to learn about each other. It's an awesome exercise. But imagine that. They're living together. They love each other. They care about each other. And they really don't understand each other. They're projecting what they think the other person wants on the other person, which a person never really said. Never really wanted. So we think we're about the and we really care about other people. Oh, most people like they, they want, you know, their kids should be healthy, the kids should be safe, the kids should be accomplished, they want, you know, they should be healthy, you know. We already have the basic needs, the same basic needs. Well, we just made an exercise, and that's not true. People are different. And what's really important to me is not what's really important to you. But how am I supposed to figure that out if I only see the world through my own eyes, my own lenses? So the meat of Das is to learn to really get to know you and see the world through your lenses. And that's what marriage offers a person. So the, what's unique about the, 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 the physical expression of that, go back to page 58, please. Okay. The Rambam classifies the limbs and organs of the body into two groups. First, there are those organs that exist for the service of the person himself. These constant page, next page. I'm, looking, I'm, looking, I'm sorry. Page 59, the bottom, bottom, bottom paragraph. So does Okay. So the Rambam says that the limbs and organs of the body are in two groups. Page 60. There are the organs that exist for the service of the person himself. These are the vast majority of our organs. They make the possible his physical survival and supply him with whatever he needs. Second, there are those that have been given for us for the purpose of perpetuating the species. That's where the difference between male and female exists. And that through them, the continuation of the generations is ensured in the framework of marriage. In other words, for the person's own existence, there's no need to have reproductive organs. The reproductive organs are only there for, in order that there should be somebody else. So it's a physical manifestation of giving, not taking. They are the only part of the person which is made for giving. Because every part of the body is there that I should have. It's about me. I need to eat. I need to have air. I need, so I need lungs to bring in the air. I need food, mouth to take in the food. I need the eyes to understand the, for safety. Everything. Oh, it's all about me. The only part of my body which is not about me, it's about that there should be other generations, there should be people out there, is the reproductive organs. So those are the only part of my body which reflects the ability to not to, get, to take, but to give. So, the, in this mita of das, which is the, the, the ability to not to, t- to see myself, but to actually understand the other person, is the physical repre- is the physical representation of that is the reproductive organs. 
That's the meat of das. So that is a very powerful thing because it's the ability to create. <coughs> so the Yisim Kelokim, right, before the mice of the Yisim Kelokim, before the Eitz Hadas, the mice of Bia was not need to be covered. After they ate from the Eitz Hadas, that they became very intimately connected to Tevorah, the Maisebiya became something which there can be a misuse of it. And if it has to be covered. That's the place where we need to put limits. Yeah, we need to put limits on our eating of our, our food. But there's a certain amount. Most people, they can't eat more than a certain amount. They get sick of it. Because it's about taking in. There's a limit how much you can take in. But here we're taking the, the kayak, which it's, it's really made to give. It's really made to create. It's really made to be the world of giving, and we misappropriate it for our own usage to take. That is a corruption of reality. That's why that's that's why it's it's such a problem. But if a person uses it right and he limits it, it's a very powerful ability to connect with somebody. And that is what makes us into creators makes us into... The, the Russian's Mita is that he's a giver, not a taker. So what he, what he gave away to the world was that we're going to control the world. We're, because we're going to become, as it were, the re, replacement for him. We're going to become the... the, 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 the what Adarishan wanted was the control of the world. He wanted to be the Elohim. Versus, I'm going to give it to Avram Avinu. Avram didn't get it right. Avram I'm going to give it to him. He's the controller of the world. He's the Elohim. He gets to create the world in a certain sense. By becoming like me, becoming a giver, not a taker. Avram Avinu was tested and tested and tested about being a giver, not a taker. So now you're ready to be the one who takes over this job. Where am I going to make an ice bris on that? Because you were able to take the, the part of the body which is about giving... And use it for that purpose, and only over there you're going to. That's where that's going to be the ice bris. That you that's where you're going to, you're going to show that you have the ability to limit yourself, and the limiting yourself allows you to be Yisim Kelokim, to be a creator, as opposed to using that power which is about creation for yourself, which is what Adam was faulted at. So that's I think that's the, the thought process we want to we want to accomplish over here. So. Um, 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 go to page 19, please. Yes, I, 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 my math is bad. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to count. Um, okay, so this is a piece from Ali Shur from Revolver, Kelly Um But first, I want, I want you to read the note on the bottom. Um, Every performance of mitzvah is an act of giving birth. Because I'll say the Ikrit told the same result that he gives my some time. Rashi, beginning of Parshas Noah, right? <laughs> Therefore, the same fact that enables the body to produce offspring also makes it possible to perform its mitzvahs in the most complete manner, so the mitzvah itself has an effect on the world and produces further fruits. We therefore see the intrinsic connection between the, the, the signs of physical maturity, which is the ability to produce offspring, and the obligation to perform mitzvahs. The true concept of a mitzvah, right? Mitzvah accomplishes the following. Um, so, let's lay it. Okay, the Ramchal says the following. Um, we say by the Haggadah, if the Russian would have put our sin and not given us a Torah, it would have been the Yenu. Now, it doesn't mean it's enough to stop there, because it's not enough to stop there. But it means each one is enough that we have to, there was something special which happened in that moment, which we, we have a need to, to, to give thanks for. So, all the things, yeah, I get it. Had the Russian given the Torah and, and not given us, well, you know what, we'd still have to thank him for the Torah, I get it. Russian gave a Shabbos and not the Torah. We have to thank him for the Shabbos. What's the mile going to Arsina without the, without, without the Torah? What happened at Arsinai? So the Russian was Kari's bris with Fai Yisrael. Right? The Russian made a bris with Fai Yisrael. 
And he said, you're going to be the Melechus Kahanim of Kodesh. So you're the Melechus Kahanim. So he uses that motion. He said like this. Imagine a, a non-Kayan goes into the base of Mikdash to do the Avodah. He loves the Kodesh Baruch. He cares so much and he wants to do the Avodah. So, it's a tr- beautiful expression of the person's love for Kodesh Baruch. What's the Lacha? The Avodah is possible. Because the non-Kayan is not imbued with the spiritual wherewithal to accomplish what a carbon is supposed to accomplish. A koyan is imbued with that spiritual wherewithal. So when he brings a carbon, it creates what the world is, what, it's, what all of the things that the carbon is supposed to bring to the world, it accomplishes. So the difference between a non-Jew and a Jew when they do a mitzvah, or the Jews before Har Sinai and the Jews after Har Sinai, is before they do the mitzvah, what they're expressing is our desire to come close to God's Borough. Beautiful thing. But that the mitzvah should affect the world and change the world and have spiritual implications, we weren't empowered to that till Harsinai. When the Russian said, You're the Malachas Kahanim, you're now the Kahanim for the world, means when we do mitzvahs, they impact all of the world in a way which could not happen beforehand. So um, every mitzvah that we do at, changes the world. We create Paris, we create. We, we're giving birth, and we're, we're actually creating something with the mitzvah. The ability to create something with the mitzvah starts with our mitzvah. This meat of das, the physical representation, the fact that there's physical maturity, is a, is a, is a, is a parallel. We spoke about this, that the Russian makes a physical reality parallel to the spiritual reality. is because we've developed to the point where we're actually able to see beyond ourselves and to connect to somebody outside of ourselves. So the physical reality is an expression of the spiritual reality of what our mitzvah is. now a bardas. Therefore, when he does mitzvahs, they create fruit. They actually accomplish something. So that, that's the foot on the bottom. Now let's look at the pot. The pot um, um, the second paragraph. Or the first, one must, by all means, not view physical desire as something which is inherently base. It's a holy creation. Russian found no better place to stamp the mark of his covenant with us than on the flesh of the most sensitive physical organ. Okay, next paragraph. When we calculate the process of physical maturation, we notice that the, the two inclinations go into the formation of a single individual. The segment of his body cells, he belongs to himself. The cells of his body multiply at a fantastic rate from the moment of conception. They continue to do so throughout the months of gestation onward, first 20 years of his life, building up his body. Um, but the segment of reproductive cells, they're there at the first moment of his life, he does not belong to himself. He bears with him the inheritance of his ancestors in both body and soul. He has DNA which he can pass on to the next generation. He's not supposed to pass on to the next generation. These cells do not multiply during his earlier years. It's only when it reaches the age of Ramitza that they begin to multiply. At the same time, the, the, the organs begin to enlarge. He matures physically. So, here is a physical manifestation. You've, you've grown to the point you're no longer living for yourself. That's what's happened. Remitz is a person who's no longer living for himself. He now has a part of his being which is about something greater than himself. That is the moment which is the physical representation of that is an expression of the spiritual growth that you're now able to connect beyond yourself. You're a bardas. Um, so that's what Chazal say that the... the um, Next paragraph. This being so, man must realize that from that from the moment of his his of cells begin to multiply, he's no longer living only for himself. What's taking place in father's body preparing to be a father of children, the presence of a new generation. A father is a whole new ballgame. You're now you're responsible for something beyond yourself. You're not living for yourself. Say it in other words. What's the difference between child, a person who's immature and a person who's mature? People are mature think of it all about themselves. People are mature think about other people. We use those words like that. We use those words. Physical maturity is because now we're no longer living for ourselves. What our society has created is people which are physically mature, which are immature. They live only for themselves. And therefore, they, what they do is they take the part of their body which represents maturity and they use it in an immature way. That's a corruption. That's why that's a terrible thing, what you're doing over there. Um... But what he must begin preparing for the polar of fatherhood. What you want, what you, what that means is the idea that you control it. You're shown that you're mature enough to be a father. The ability to control this area, which is it's very tempting, is 
a way to prepare yourself for the living a world where it's not about you, it's about somebody else. So the Russian says, I'm going to test you in a physical way. Can you approach the world that it's not about you? So I'm going to give you something which is very desirable and very, very enticing and very it's seductive to see, can you, as it were, take that power of creation and giving and maturity and use it in a mature way? Then you're right to be a father. And that's the process of, there's five years between the Chazal, say, physical maturity and the time to get married. And that's why I have to tell you, I, I believe that the difference between when a Bachar learns Gemara at the age of 15, 16, 17, it's a whole different ballgame than, than a 13-year-old or a 12-year-old. It's a whole different level of understanding. Because he's understanding, else, he, he's starting to really understand the Gemara, not himself. He's not putting himself into the Gemara. He's getting what the Gemara, he's connecting to the Gemara. So at the end of this thought, he says that when a person is careful with his das, he actually can connect to a piece of Gemara. He can find a piece of Gemara as fast, as, as, as enveloping as a good, as a good novel. There's the meat of das allows you to really connect to a Gemara. Now, I saw my, my rebellion. Like, you know, Rigifter, when he was learning Gemara, he was, he was, he was out of this world. He was not, he's not aware of time. You would ask him a kasha and shir, so, Pasha, like, he had to come back, back down to earth before he would hear you. Like, you would hear, like, the sound. There's somebody making a noise. He wouldn't hear what you were saying sometimes. And then he would, like, you know, Pasha! Like, there's nothing to scare out of your mind. Right, right there, you know, you have to, you know, you'd have to repeat yourself a lot of times because, but he didn't hear you the first time. He was so absorbed, he was, he was connected to another world. Okay. Um, so, that's, I think, the, the understanding of the process. So, let's just review quickly. So, the, the, the point of the priest's bris is giving over something of great, of, of tremendous value, the most important thing to us, to, to others. Barashim did it by giving us the ability to decide the fate of the world, which that's the most precious thing that he has. He gave it to us, so we, in a sense now, we're saying, putting full circle, we became the creators of the world in a certain sense. We actually just create the fate of the world. So we, we fulfilled Adam's dream of Yisim Kelokim. Mm-hmm. That's what Ramayinu did, by becoming a giver and not focusing on himself. He was able to do what Barashim was. He was able to represent the Kodesh Baruch that we do that through the process of limiting. The limiting is, it's not a, and the, now we understand the limits is to put, take me out of the picture, end me, I'm going to end and become complete and the ability to be a giver. That's represented if, if, if in the physical organ which is about giving, not about taking. It's the only organ which is made about giving, <coughs> not about taking. We are tremendously challenged in that area because that is where the greatest opportunity for growth of being a giver is, and the, the, the greatest ability of connecting is made through there, of actually connecting and understanding somebody else with the meat of das, which is truly to get somebody else and understand them, which would make you the greatest giver which is possible. The ability to abuse it is what Adam accomplished by eating from the Eitzah Das. He abused the Das. And when we learn to use that in a mature way, we become truly spiritually and emotionally mature parallel to our physical maturity to become givers as opposed to takers. That's the basic idea. Okay.